Hey friends, welcome back. So glad that you're here. Part two, unsafe people and healing from the pain they cause. Again, this show is about helping you live a better life. It's about healing uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We are here to help you do that. My friends, Lori Lara and Corey Mendoza are back joining me again. LoriLara.com, L-O-R-I-L-A-R-A.com and Corey Mendoza's website, ChooseVolition.com. So check out these two ladies. I'm Jody Stevens. I host a show every weekday on overcoming addictions and anxiety, codependencies, trauma, unsafe relationships, all these sorts of things that cause us to stumble around in life. Sometimes God wants to heal us and we're talking unsafe relationships. Part two, continuing on. So last week, we really unpacked the nature of unsafe people really through our own stories of overcoming dysfunction and abuse and trauma. We explored how to heal from the damage caused by unsafe people, how to spot unsafe people and relational dynamics. We talked about dysfunctional, abusive relational cycles, how we can get caught up in it. And we also looked at why we unconsciously pick unsafe people due to past trauma or ignoring our instincts, which we're going to get into more of today. So listen, if you missed the last show, before you go any further, I just want to encourage you to hop back and listen to part one so that you can get a context for what we're talking about in this episode as we want to give you some healing tips and suggestions, how to, how and when, I should say, to leave unhealthy relationships, how to set and keep healthy boundaries, the importance of community, and how and why we need to listen to our own instincts and why sometimes we don't. And Corey, in the last show, I just, I want to thank you for your vulnerability. You shared about living in an extremely abusive marriage that started when you were so young. You could look back, Corey, and say, wow, I shouldn't have married this guy. And in fact, I knew when I was 16 years old, I knew, I knew something was wrong. So if you think, like if you think that you're, because we know, and as women, we know, but Mm -hmm. we ignore it because we think that our feelings don't matter or whatever and then we get so far in and then we're trying to dig out and I would I would always laugh and say you know I knew in my big toe in my my big toe I felt that she was crazy but I ignored it that's my joke because it's I literally it was stuffed that far into my big toe my instinct of this person but whenever I look back and I don't know maybe you guys have an answer I don't know how you bring that instinct from your toe up to your heart because I would so ignore it and then I wouldn't see it until I would look back and now I can I can see it but it was so stuffed. So if you have any, like you're feeling like something's off, something doesn't seem right, you know, um, maybe there's the weird power imbalances, maybe they're always defensive, maybe you feel like a child in the relationship, or they don't have empathy, or there's all these sorts of things. Don't ignore that. I mean, I think if, if there is anything to take out of this today is stop ignoring yourself. God has given us the ability to instinctively see when there is trouble and we're just very good at especially as women I think we're so good at just saying oh you know Mm -hmm. it's nothing they're just trying to be you know whatever And, and so we we stuff it and we ignore it and then we get kind of so far into the trenches of this dysfunctional relationship that now we're trying to dig ourselves out Yes. Well, our intuition is our superpower of (laughs) self-protection. Yeah. 
And, mm-hmm. and the problem is if we are not connected to that as children, I mean, children will tell you like it is. Children naturally are connected to their intuition, their natural truth tellers. I mean, if you leave kids alone, they'll develop to be connected to their intuition. You know, I don't like that person or, you know, that that's a really ugly shirt you're wearing or you have bad breath. Yeah. I mean, kids will just like speak it. They're naturally connected. And then socially, unfortunately, because people want to be They're nice. They're told to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. When we haven't done the emotional work in our own life, we cannot allow other people to have the permission to speak honestly. That challenges us to get out of our comfort zone to tell the truth, whether that's about the pastor or an uncle or a coworker. there's There's a social price to be paid for being connected to our intuition. And so if we're trained out of it, we learn to deny because there's no place for the truth to be spoken. So the truth becomes this you still know it, even if it's in your big toe, you still know it deep down, yeah. but you're mm-hmm. so asleep to it. It's been severed mm-hmm. from your actual conscious mind. You can feel it, sense it, know it. But if you do not give yourself permission to listen to it, which it's God given, God gave us our yeah. intuition, it's instinct. It's interesting because I have, you know, The Gift of Fear, which is one of my favorite books, Gavin DeBecker. And Mm -hmm. it's these few sentences about denial on page nine. It says, denial has an interesting and insidious side effect. For all the peace of mind deniers think they get by saying it isn't so, the fall they take when victimized is far, far greater than that of those who accept the possibility. Mm -hmm. Denial is the save now, pay later scheme, a contract written entirely in small print for in the long run, the denying person knows the truth on some level, and it causes mm. a constant low-grade anxiety. Millions of people mm-hmm. suffer that anxiety, and denial keeps them from taking action that could reduce the risks. If Ugh. we, I know yeah. it's what I have that highlighted and and underlined. It's the and, yeah, but it can be overwhelming. And I would say, because you'd mm-hmm. said like you know, um, sharing a tip, I would say if someone, no matter what work we're trying to do in our life to get healthy. If someone is in an abusive relationship, denial actually can be a self-protection because it helps you survive. When you're young, yes. Yeah, when you're young. And so it's a survival instinct within the abusive, Mm -hmm. the context of the abusive relationship. But when someone decides, I don't, I know this isn't healthy. This isn't good for me. It's not good for my children. It can feel overwhelming for someone to feel like they actually have to do something about that. And so I would say recognizing the enormity of the situation and just allowing yourself to be able to get quiet and just pray that God would give insight and in how to take it one step at a time because mm-hmm. that person probably doesn't have the skills yet. Um, and so praying for God to bring opportunities and people who could help break through and break out of, and this could be an abusive marriage or it could be in an abusive friendship or in you know relationships with family in those tough situations is to ask God for his presence, for his love and his restoration. And he also is a God of justice. I mean, God does not want there to be abuse. He does not want there to be mistreatment. Mm -hmm. And so calling upon Mm -hmm. that part of God, his nature, that he would make a way. And then just being able to sit with, yeah, I know I need to do something. And maybe that space of, I need to pray about what that is. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you can't do action first. You have to just become conscious first. And that can Mm -hmm. be 
psychologically a lot to take in. Um, and then also praying for people to support you, safe people. It may not be your friends that you talk to about this, right? There's, not everybody is a safe person or not even that they're not safe. They don't, they can't hold a story like that. You know, most people do not have the skills to hear an extreme abuse story, or maybe if they haven't done their emotional work, they don't know how yeah. to support somebody. So it might not be that they are not a good friend. They just don't know how to support that level of story. So I would say mm-hmm. praying, um, and reaching out for help. There's so many yeah. counselors now on telehealth where you can just like from your phone, get some support, um, for you to be able to support mm-hmm. where you're at and knowing if you take the long haul, the long view of our life, like God will give us the power to do the healthy thing in the time that he has ordained for us to do it. And there's so much good ahead. It's not just loss. It's not just struggle. There are blessings along the way that he has for you. And you have to just imagine that you can't see it right now. You can't feel it right now, but that is what God has for you. The freedom and the health is always better than staying in an abusive situation. Yeah. And just get, getting the help, reaching out for help too is so important. And just getting the instincts, the feelings, all that stuff validated. You know, I was reading oh, about wow. in, invalidation and that every single possible personality and psychological problem starts with the invalidating of feelings. And it happens when we are so young, like you were talking about, Lori, because a lot of times if a family member is like, Corey, you know, your dad was an alcoholic and your mom maybe was very codependent and all these sorts of things. And my mom grew up in an alcoholic family and wasn't able to even deal with her own painful emotions. So when I had my own, they were very difficult, right? And so so it's easier to shut those down, right? To shut those, you know, don't feel that way, stop, right? And so then we grow up and we, all that stuff is, is stuffed down there. And so it's getting all of that out, trying to sort through it and then getting some of that stuff valid. Sometimes you just need it to be validated. Like it's okay that you have this feeling and then to work to work through that because in this dysfunctional family, these, these rules, they work, they keep us safe growing up. Now we get out into the real world and suddenly we're being taken advantage of, we're in these bad relationships. Everything that saved us is now backfiring. So you have to relearn all these new rules. I mean, here's a, a, a funny example about what's not funny at all about it, it, getting back to that book that you were talking about, Lori, The Gift of Fear, because um, I read it and it's it's about how to not kind of be a victim of a crime. Basically, it's about not ignoring your instincts, right? Like I'm in a dark parking lot. It's 3 a.m. Certainly he just wants to be nice <laughs> and help me with my yeah. grocery, you know, and it's like, no, look at think about where you are first. Like, where am I? I'm in a dark parking lot. So instead of being nice, think about where you are. So instead of being nice, think about who this person is or whatever. But anyway, um, so I am probably, I don't know, I'm 16 years old. I'm at the mall and I meet this friend of mine and we haven't uh, talk to each other in a while. Okay, so it's been a while. And we're at the mall. We're in the dressing room, okay, and we're trying on clothes and stuff. Okay. And she comes in with these pair of boots that are like super, like they're like these $100 boots. And I'm like, where'd you get those boots? Because I was out getting some clothes and I bring them in and she goes, oh, you know, that lady in the next dressing room, she was loaded. So she goes into the dressing room and she she steals this woman's money. Okay. And, and, and she's telling me how this woman's loaded. And so then the, the lady comes back and I can hear 
in the next dressing room freaking out because somebody just took $200 from her wallet, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And now I'm looking at like, I have to spend the rest of my day at the mall with this girl. So then we, I know. So then we go out and we're in the parking lot and this guy drives up and he's trying to pick us up and he's got a really nice car and he's really good looking and he's got everything's going on with this guy and she's like come on man we got to go with him we got to go with him we got to go with him and I'm like I'm not getting in that car I am not getting in that car now if you were to look at my past right I'm no saint I'm getting into my alcoholism you know I've been sober 15 years I'm smoking weed I've gotten in many cars with guys that look a lot shadier than this dude okay but for some reason I'm like I'm not getting in that car I'm not getting in that car she goes come on man I'm like no I'm not doing it so she gets in the car leaves with this guy and I think I talked to her later and I I don't know I think they ended up going out I don't actually know what happened um, but it was so funny because fast forward today I'm reading this book and I'm thinking back to what happened and I just got goosebumps everywhere because I realized that my instincts were telling me that it was her I needed to get away from. Mm. But I ignored it. I ignored it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, maybe there was something wrong with an older dude picking up teenagers, right? I mean, that could have been an issue too. But, But looking back, it was like, I couldn't, I stuffed the instinct that this girl, like I didn't want to tell myself that my friend was very, very, very unsafe. The moral of that story is if you sense there's something wrong, there probably is. Yeah. You just yes. don't maybe know where it's coming from. And it was just, I knew when I got goosebumps that the Lord was just, was telling me, no, it was, it was her that she wanted to get away from. But I was so <laughs> relieved. So it was just kind of a weird um, thing that, that happened after reading that. I just started looking back at all these instincts that I had, all of them that I ignored. And he talks about all the manipulative techniques that mm-hmm. people will do. And I thought, oh, oh, I've seen every single one of those, you know, that criminals oh, do. Yeah. But it's not just criminals. It could be, you know, your neighbor or your friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, the whole invalidating piece, I think, is so huge because, you know, gaslighting is invalidating on steroids, Ugh, you yes. know, and um, that could be a whole nother episode. But, you know, just to kind of answer what you were saying, like, tips to piggyback on what Lori had already said is starting to really listen to ourselves, giving ourselves permission to be like, I don't like Chinese food or like start with the small things. When I, right after the incident with my ex-husband and the cops and, you know, my dad, that whole bit, what I knew that I needed to leave, I went to a program called Weave. I remember that first group meeting what they said validated so much where they said, please do not think you need to leave your abusive marriage or your abusive relationship. When you're ready to leave, you will leave. It meant so much to me because the narrative in unsafe relationships is it's all your fault and you're doing it wrong. So even after I knew I needed to leave that abusive marriage, I I couldn't even do that right. And, and I didn't, by the way, by the way, I did not leave that marriage in, after all that went down. I got my own separate place and he begged, he honeymooned me. He's like, I'll get counseling. I have a problem. He totally honeymooned me. And 
So I was like, I owe it to my children to work on my marriage. It ended up getting prolonged another six months, but I, I came back, but it was, it was just funny that I needed to hear them tell me, you do it when you are ready. Just yes. because you know you're in an abusive marriage, because mm -hmm. that's the narrative that we live with that keeps us stuck is, and it's so discouraging. Like, this is mm -hmm. all my fault and I'm doing it wrong. Like, I can't even leave right. So my, my suggestions to reinforce what Lori said is stay with God. It, yeah. It's two parts. It's God and people. That's how he designed us. Another book that I recommend by Dr. Cloudon Townsend is How People Grow. And it's mm -hmm. a great foundational book to go back to, like, how did God design relationship to be in the first place? So staying with God and, and in prayer and, and he, the Holy Spirit is our counselor and our teacher. He is the ultimate. You know how it is when God leads you or he speaks to you, it brings a clarity like no other. Number one, like Lori said, is talk to God pray, turn to him. And then number two is like, stay out of isolation. And it's that first yeah. step of like joining boundaries groups. I was like, you know, get healed on steroids. I mean, I took the boundaries class like five times. I'm part of community for peace. Weave. I'm in one-on-one -on -one counseling. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I, I was hooked up on IVs of how to get healthy and be healed, yeah. you know? So stay with God, stay out of isolation. And then the third thing I would say is just start saying no to things um start you know in boundaries they call it baby knows um, <laughs> yeah you know like no i can't pick up your kids after school like you and you start watching how different people respond to yes no. they say you'll yeah. know a person by how they yeah. respond to your no and it's like oh absolutely. my gosh yes absolutely yeah. and i'm going to share yeah. something very vulnerable because i feel that this is very useful for listeners I remember going through Community for Peace and one of the times they were talking about like sex. Um, and I, I don't remember the whole context of what they were training, but I remember them talking about like saying no to sex. And it was like, like I literally sat there like I could do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Once I like heard that, it was like a foreign language to me. But I remember yeah. the very first time with my husband and I won't say TMI or anything, but I was like, I remember the very, I was shaking and I was like, I, I go, I, I'm tired. And then he's like, oh, oh okay. And, and I was like, <gasps> do you was love me? Like, I, and then, then, I, then the guilt, then the guilt came yeah. in. Like, what if he starts looking at other women? Like, and it was just yeah. like, that took months for me to wrap my head around that yeah. a marriage could have what either party have the right to say no, but I had never my whole life ever. And, and people might not relate to this or you might, but I've never known as a woman, as a girl, as a teenager, as a, like, that's my value and my worth is the ability yeah. to give that. And so it's not just about the fear of taking up space but it's also the fear of not giving more than I have to give. Like I was mm -hmm. so used to overextending myself in every way. Um, mm. So, you know, just to recap, it's like stay with God, talk to him, turn to him, and then stay out of isolation, you know, be plugged into different types of support groups, 
um, workshops, mm-hmm. training classes, one-on-one therapy. And then, you know, number three is practicing no to anyone and everyone. Like I'm going to tell one more story because I think it's super powerful. When I read the book, The Gift of Fear for the first time, I read it after a self-defense class that I took. And I remember, you know, just all these ahas from the book and I was getting a massage. I'm laying on the massage table and I'm freezing. Now I could say, can you turn on the heater or like, but I literally wrestled with voicing up. And then at one point the massage therapist says, are you cold? And I'm like, no, I got my full massage. I never was warm the whole time I was freezing. And I was like, why would I not? And and the reason is because I didn't want to inconvenience the massage therapist. It's that whole thing about taking up space. I mean, that's incredibly powerful because when we, I so understand that. No, I'm good. Maybe the massage therapist saw your goosebumps and was asking you. Yeah. But that not wanting to inconvenience, I feel like there were maybe a million self-betrayals I had to process in becoming healthy and, and realizing that I was the one betraying myself by yeah. not listening to mm-hmm. myself. There's a lot of sadness there. There's a lot of grief, but in that grief, it's a good grief in that you can kind of, it's like reparenting yourself. You can go back for yourself and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I so appreciate your vulnerability and what you were sharing, you know, in the intimate realm, because you were applying everything that you were learning. So you had yourself in school. I mean, all these books and these Mm -hmm. groups, you took responsibility. Like I have to move from this place. And so you getting the information, but then practicing it is so hard. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it's like, okay, I have to do these baby no's. I love how they put that. I hadn't hadn't heard that before, Mm -hmm. but those baby no's, after you set that boundary come the feelings like you were like you were sharing like the grief or the feeling guilty um you know and and what's my value and then there's that interplay of when you say no and you set a boundary no i don't want the chinese food in little it's those little things those tiny shifts Mm -hmm. that tiny step that you when we don't betray ourselves but we can still honor the other person equally but then you're you become equal value in your own mind, which for some people, they have to learn the opposite lesson. They have to learn how to consider exactly. other people. That's not the conversation yeah. we're having. And those weren't the lessons we were learning. But the the learning to not betray yourself, that naturally grows that self-confidence and that changes then what we crave in relationships and the fact that people will be say, oh, that's totally fine. Well, let's go here instead, or let's go, mm-hmm. let's do this thing over here. Or it's fine that you need to do this and take care of yourself. It's like re rewiring your life one step at mm-hmm. a time. And before you know it, you can't even recognize your life. And it's almost and that's- impossible to have that vision of yourself when you're so practiced yeah. at betraying yourself and like you don't take up space. It's hard for people to realize what that feels like if they don't feel that way. But when you have made yourself so small and invisible and only serving other Mm -hmm. people and thereby, you know, totally betraying yourself, it is really hard to start standing in your space and taking up space. But once you start doing that, it's like you can never go back. Mm -hmm. No. And that's where I think um, uh, having a good therapist and getting the help and, of course, you know, good people in the church and all those sorts of things is absolutely imperative because... I know for me, having um, uncomfortable feelings and having um, boundaries was always met with massive guilt, massive guilt. The people in my family would get physically sick 
physically oh, sick yeah. or, or oh, I'm in the hospital. I've been up all night because you, you know, because you, you dared to have a feeling or a boundary. And so when, when you're met with that from a very young age and you're dumped with everyone else's hard feelings, you literally need to constantly go back to save people to, to remind yourself that it's okay to have feelings I can let go of this guilt. And I'm not going to say that it just goes away or that it ever always goes away. I mean, I'm constantly feeling guilty. <laughs> I can't I have to give it to God every single day because I still have people in my life that make me feel guilty. And so when when you're made to feel that you actually don't have a choice. Like you actually believe you yeah. don't have a choice. It's well, very no, it's stuff that normal people don't understand. Like, what do you mean you don't have a choice? No, I really never believed I had a choice. And so once you realize you have a choice and then walking through that choice, it's very, very hard when you still have people that are, that are pulling you into guilt. So that's why, that's why I think the support Having the support is so, so important because some of the people in our life we can move away from. And then sometimes we don't always have that luxury if it's a mom or a dad or you know what I'm saying. So so sometimes yeah. you just you've always got to have that support around so that you're not going to be pulled into that. Yes. And it's a practice. Well, I think being patient with yeah. yourself like this is a practice. This is this yeah. is going to take mm-hmm. a while. This is going to take a while, and it's okay. It's meant to to take a while. It took a long t- time to get where you're at. It's going to take a little while to retrain. You know, when I'm teaching um, girls and women in my self defense classes, and we talk about the permission, basically, to be rude. What feels like being rude? You know, you don't owe <laughs> right. everybody yeah. a conversation. Yeah. And if somebody's trying to talk to you, oftentimes younger girls or even women will be in line at the grocery store or at the gas station and somebody tries, a guy will try to stir up a conversation. And the pattern typically is, well, I don't want to be rude. So I don't want to ignore that person. And yet that being able to not step into that awkwardness, it's our ability to have courage to just let it be awkward. Let it. And then we constantly feel guilty. It's like, I yeah. should have been nice to the weird guy who was like peeing on the side of the road. You know, like we totally no. ignore what they're doing because we don't want to be rude. Right. And anyway, we, sorry. I you right. Know, you, but... it, it, it kind of goes back to if we have trouble with baby nose, what happens when it's a big no? And, and I'll be vulnerable again and give you another example. When I was in that church as a young girl and all of a sudden... Um, it was just before I was 21. So I was 20. The first sexual encounter I had with my children's father, he was married and we were six years in that church. The first time that it was, the line was crossed. Do you know, I just stood there. I sat there. I laid there. I didn't say no. And the whole time it's like, it was an out of body experience where I'm like, I, where I'm just kind of like, what's happening? And I knew, talk about filling it in your big toe. My whole body was cringing. My whole body yes. was like, get out of here, push him away, say no. Like, and, and no, I just, no, I didn't say no. That's just an example of how, you know, important it is for us to start practicing baby no's because when we find ourselves in big no situations, it's not good. And that's that self betrayal that then it's going to be my wound to heal and my journey to be on you know so that that was another example but the the guilt and the guilt of saying no 
let that be a wake up call for us to say, because mm, guilt yeah. is not conviction. So conviction mm -hmm. is when we know we want to do something, but guilt is I have to do something. So right. I, I try to pay attention even now, um, is to, for me to really discern what is this guilt about? Is it somebody else's expectations that I'm picking up on or do I need to really go deeper and, and get clearer on what is the conviction I, that I have? Like, do I owe somebody an apology? Do Because here's that's the other thing. When we truly are guilty of something, well, then now let's step into the, the steps of um, restoration, reconciliation. Like, go practice. Like, hey, I want to um, admit to you that I made a mistake. Please mm -hmm. forgive me. Let me clean this up, you know? And then there was one more thing that I wanted to share when you were talking, Jody, about the guilt that we can feel with people that we can't get away from. You know, if it's a it's a mother or a father or a sibling or something where we're like we can't we we can't or we don't want out of this relationship, I highly, highly, highly recommend you buy this book and read it like a hundred times. It's called Bold <laughs> Love. It is a, the best book ever because it. In the church, there can be inaccurate um, wisdom path or inaccurate, um, what's the word, um, advice. Well, so, and like, they're not trained. Like oftentimes um, pastors are wonderful. Right. They're not trained to deal with psychological stuff, you know. Absolutely. So it's like, turn the other cheek. Forgive your right. neighbor. And so it's like, okay, that's what I used to do. That's why I stayed in a toxic marriage for nine years. Mm -hmm. Um but when I read this book, Bold Love, the subtitle is something to the effect of um, how, how to love evil people, a fool, and everyday sinners. And we, well, number one, I was like mind blown that there were names to, to name three different categories of people. And the book, they do have a whole chapter on not permanently labeling people. You know, people can get better. Yeah. But, but to be able to recognize that distinction and then what does love, how would Jesus love this person that's in this, you know, behavior pattern? Mm -hmm. and, and then having that wisdom and the skill set to actually walk it out. And also, I would also say, and I think Lori, you actually said this to me the other day when we were talking on the phone as I was driving up. A lot of times we chat on the phone while I'm driving up to go skiing. <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking about this very thing with boundaries and constantly thinking about how, when I make the boundary, how they're going to respond. And you were saying something to the effect of, you know, to, to think about it's their responsibility, how they respond. And they certainly don't have to respond in the way that they do. And it's like, oh yeah, that's true. They're also responsible for how they respond to your boundaries. And when they respond guilt tripping you, there, that's a problem on them. And then the other thing too, which is kind of separate, but yeah. what we were talking about, if it's, it's so hard to take your emotion out of it, maybe just think about like Dr. Henry Cloud, he's always gets our honorary mentions, you know, reality is always <laughs> your friend. He said, everything else is just fantasy. So think about maybe just reality. Like Corey, when you were talking about when you were laying there, I have been there when I was 16 and seven, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I couldn't say no. But what is the what is reality? I'm laying here. This person's taking advantage of me. It's late or it's 2 a.m. in a parking lot or he's married or you know what I mean? Like, like right. take the emotion out and think about 
what's happening? Where am I? And what is this person doing? Like to really just mm-hmm. get the emotion out and look at look at the actual situation. Like I was so felt so guilty one time because I was rude to these construction workers that were outside of our office. Well, I would get to work at 430 in the morning and they would be there. And the one dude, well, you know, if the guy's real respectable, good morning, opens the door, then we'll be nice. But then the one dude, he's like, he's like, you know, has the car door open, one foot's out. He's like, hey, what's up? You know, and I'm feeling guilty because I'm not being friendly. Okay, I'm not being friendly, but you are like acting like a hoodlum. And so mm-hmm. we don't, we, you know what I mean? Like we ignore that. And then, and then when you really look at like a, a person of respect and dignity would earn that treatment, they would not do those sorts of things, you know? Right. And so that really helped me to think, okay, I don't need to, you know, I mean, and this guy was like peeing in our garbage cans and, and it's like, so why should I feel guilty? Because I don't want to talk to you in a dark parking lot at 4 a.m. when you're acting like a hoodlum. Well, it's that whole thing of power going back to like, how, how is it that the unsafe person can behave how they do, but somehow we feel an over sense of responsibility right. for the bad connection that takes, you know, um, Lori's mentioned being us being responsible. Well, it's also about us holding other people able and responsible for their own responsibilities but when we have that over sense of responsibility that's a pathway for guilt that's a pathway for enabling you know our conversation where it's been for the last um i don't know 45 minutes reminds me of maya angelo's famous line you treat people you teach people how to treat you and yes the problem is when you're young when you're young and you're taught this is the right way or the, or the, your survival instincts you adapted to your environment, um, whether it was highly dysfunctional or abusive or just the normally dysfunction, you know, like average dysfunction, which everybody has, average dysfunction at least, because everybody's just doing what they were taught to do. And we live in this time yeah. now where we know more and we have access to information and we have access to counseling and books. And I mean, the internet was such a huge part of my own healing uh, because I could go hop on YouTube and people would share stories of overcoming trauma and, you know, what they did. And so I was able to have people pour into me that story again to be able to help me. But then when you realize the connection between, first of all, I'm responsible for what I allow. When I'm an, when you're an adult, when you're a kid, you're surviving. So there's, I'm talking about when you're yeah. an adult, when we realize we have the yeah. responsibility to protect ourselves and what can we do and that that kind of is a slow turning on of that real responsibility I would argue that when you're 16 Mm -hmm. you're too young you you know what I mean that that was a very I'm Mm -hmm. not talking about that I'm saying when we're when we're adults we have to look Mm -hmm. at our life as we are responsible to take care of ourselves and to protect ourselves Mm -hmm. and where we don't have skills and tools to live a healthy life we have to shore ourselves up with how to do that that's on us to do. Otherwise, you know, how far mm-hmm. back are we going to like, we'll blame our parents and then they'll blame their parents. And you can just see that's just a victim life. And that's mm-hmm. not going to be a meaningful, fulfilling life. So taking that responsibility and re, you know, changing the trajectory of your life through taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. I need to get this in mind and well, I need to teach people that it's not okay 
to, you know, be chatting me up at the gas station when I don't want to have a conversation. So, you know, right. I, I had that situation happen when I had just flown home from LA and I had been teaching self-defense and talking about this very thing about you don't need to be polite. And this guy at the gas station was getting really chatty. I didn't feel like talking. It was a little bit strange. I had that feeling. I had a big toe moment, Jody. My intuition, <laughs> my toe was tapping and I just, Thumbs not right here. I didn't like his energy. I didn't want to have a conversation with him and he seemed a little off. And so he tried to make conversation with me and I didn't want to have conversation. And then he ended up really getting aggressive verbally mm-hmm. with me because yeah. I just ignored him as if I didn't hear him. And he's and three that's what and a he half feet from no. me. This was yep. really hard to do. And so I just was quiet. And so then he started to verbally um, yep. be really mean to me and was- What's the matter? You want yeah, to talk to me? That yeah. kind of thing. And I thought, no. Nope. Oh, because it's your fault. Right. <laughs> but I was like, nope, I'm not going to give into it. I could see it clear as a bell. And so having that yeah. space, treating that space between someone doing something and I don't want to play- and letting that space be there and letting them own that awkwardness. And so I drove away feeling, okay, I didn't betray myself. I didn't, I yeah. didn't do the thing I didn't want to do that. I'd be really mad if I were driving away and I had already had the conversation, even though I didn't think he was a guy to have a conversation with. So it's just interesting in those little tiny decisions that before you mm-hmm. know it, you look up and your life is very different. And the different the people are very different in your life because people will naturally behave themselves in and out of your life depending on what boundaries you have. And then you knew you knew his character by what he did with your no because he became abusive. And so you knew then that he was an unsafe person. So I love the whole thing about what do they do with the no. You know, that's so good. Well, oh my goodness, ladies, this has been amazing. I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation and have this series of discussions about safe and unsafe people. I want to give people an opportunity to reach out to us as well. I know, Corey, you have your website, choosevolition.com, your speaker, you're also a coach. So, I mean, can people connect with you? And also oh, Lori, LoriLara.com. Lori teaches mental and self-defense. She teaches physical self-defense. And obviously for me, it's the addiction, the codependency, the boundaries, all those sorts of things. And I love to be able to help people see their actual identity and coming out of that invalidation and stuffing. I know we'd all are open to hearing from you. Yeah, my website has information about the corporate work that I do. Um, I go Mm -hmm. into organizations. I do one-on-one leadership coaching. I do leadership retreats, workshops, and um, I also do keynote speaking. Perfect. Lori? Lori at LoriLara.com. If someone wants to email me or go to my website, LoriLara.com. I teach self-defense and I also talk about a lot of different things like forgiveness, mental health, yeah. um, how, mm-hmm. to, how to be safe from the inside out and not just be yes. safe, but to be well. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And I actually took your, like I said, her self-defense class and also her breakout on forgiveness, which is actually what we talked about in the second podcast was a whole show on forgiveness. So if you had not got back and listened to that, you definitely should. <laughs> and I'm I would love to hear to. from you. <laughs> yeah, I would love to hear from you too. JodyStevens.org, J-O-D-I-E, Stevens with a V.org. I have a healing blog. I have an identity course I put together. I'm um, also uh, love to hear from you. Um, if you just want to reach out, it's connect with Jody Stevens at yahoo.com. So 
ladies. It's been real. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, ladies, for being here. And next week, we're talking to my friend Christy Johnson about how she finally escaped abuse and narcissism, what happened, how she got out, and how God is using her and her story and healing her today. So don't miss it. 